Hey, this is Gary Parrish from CBSports.com. It is now uh, Monday, March 23rd, and this is the Eye on College Basketball uh, Podcast. I'm joined, of course, uh, by Sam Pacini and Matt Norlander. We're going to get into the NCAA tournament in, in just a moment, but first, the big news of the day. Ben Howland is moving to Starkville, Mississippi, becoming the first person, I believe, to ever move from Santa Barbara to Starkville uh, without being extradited for some reason. Uh, Matt Norlander, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the three-time Final Four coach uh, moving to Mississippi State. Yeah, um, this is interesting. Uh, I, when when Rick Ray's firing was announced, was that Friday morning? I have lost total It was crap. Saturday. It was Saturday was it Saturday? Yeah. Like, I, I just can't even tell the days. Uh, that took pretty much everyone by surprise. But when that happened, I had to believe that they had a guy in place because it was uh, a premature firing. Um, you know, Rick inherited just a really tough uh, situation there. And it was going to be a slow turnaround for just about anyone. And, you know, unless you could get a proven quality guy, it was wrong to get rid of him. Um, I still like, I get why you get Holland. Uh, and and all that i it's still you know to be honest it doesn't sit totally well with me but this is the business they're in coaches know this it's not like rick ray is going to be uh passing a hat around i mean he's you know he's well paid going to end up on a good staff he's a good coach and will be a head coach again one day i'm pretty certain of that um holland and uh, you know gp you can really uh get to this because you know him well but uh you know holland was not going to go another off season and not be hired he was dying to get back in to me, this is just an interesting fit. Um, I don't know. When Rick Ray was fired, I, I kind of tweeted. I was like, you kind of set the program back here. Uh, you think you're going five steps forward. Maybe it's you know three steps back. Ben will do a good job. The question is, how immediate will that be? Um, I'm not totally sold that this will be a clear-cut success story. He'll do well. He'll get to tournaments but I'm not necessarily fully in on Ben Hallen at Mississippi State turning that program in the next decade to a clear-cut top-four SEC program. I'm not that far with it. Well, here's the way all this unfolds. First off, um, Scott Strickland, uh, when he tweeted that he was firing Rick Ray on Saturday, already had this basically locked up. So they were working behind the scenes at Mississippi State for, I'm told, several weeks. Let's call it days just to play it safe. But this was in the works uh, quite clearly. Uh, on the surface, and I had somebody um, I know well tell me this, that this makes very little sense. Like, And not just very little sense for Mississippi State to go out and hire Ben Howland, but um, how does Scott Strickland even work behind the scenes to get Ben Howland on board? Like, that's just not... People right, who- it just, it just, listen, it's the, it's the reality of the business, but it's... It's just a little slime. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm with you. And like, but no, the, the point I was trying to make is on the surface, like, what people people who know Scott Strickland well, the AD at Mississippi State, will tell you that he isn't the type of guy who could like. On the surface, you go, how did he end up with Ben Hallam within 36 hours of firing Rick Rick Ray? What's the connection there? Because when they hired Rick Ray, they actually used Parker Search Firm. So like, he's never ran a basketball search. Um, by himself before so that's what somebody um, people were asking me like how would he get this done so quickly the connection is Adidas Um, Ben uh, has a close had a close relationship with Adidas people all the power brokers while he was the coach at UCLA and though he fell out of favor with use with the UCLA administration he always had 
um, the Adidas folks in his corner. I mean, honestly, as long as we're speaking openly here, that's how the whole Shabazz Muhammad thing went down. It was all Adidas. And Adidas did everything they reasonably could do and, and unreasonably could do to, get, to, to try to get Ben in a position uh, to, to succeed uh, you know, in his final years at UCLA. And by the way, he did succeed. He won a Pac-12 title in his last year. But the Adidas connection is huge here because um, Adidas, is, you know, Mississippi State is also an Adidas school. And so I don't know whether Scott or Ben will ever admit it, but the, the matchmaker here is Adidas more than anything else. The, the folks who at, at Adidas who have a relationship with Mississippi State and who have a relationship with Ben Hallen uh, brought these two parties together. To your point, Norlander, um, you do have to feel sick for Rick Ray on some level. I mean, this is a guy who um, inherited a mess, a complete mess. I was told that when he got the job, nearly every player on scholarship or or maybe every player on scholarship was in the drug program. At yes, State. we talked about this before in the podcast. Just okay. unreal. Okay, so he, he inherited a mess. And I am sympathetic. First off, I'm not naive to the business. This is the business. I get it. But it is kind of messed up when you're brought in to replace a guy who was having a reasonable amount of success but didn't just represent what it is you wanted your basketball program to be. Because that's what happened with uh, Rick Stansberry at Mississippi State. They just decided they didn't want, and you can take this for whatever, however you want to take it, but they didn't want, uh, they wanted a culture change from Rick Stansberry to somebody else. And that's how Rick Ray ended up with the job. He is the opposite of, of Rick Stansberry. And so they bring him in. And they tell him to, hey, clean this up, walk the straight line. We're, we're, not, we're not even, forget breaking rules, we're not even bending them. That's what your job is. It's going to take time. And then pull the trigger on him in three years is kind of messed up. On the other hand, you know, he'll get a nice payday to walk away, and, and this is the business um, that they're in. Sam, you live out in L.A. Uh, your thoughts on Ben Hallen just uh, in general? Well, I actually have – I grew up on Ben Howland because I'm from Pittsburgh too, uh, and he was the coach at Pitt. And I believe that even the Adidas ties go back that far. I yep. believe Adidas was a Pitt school – or <laughs> Pitt was an Adidas school uh, all the way back when Ben Howland was there too. And the connection at that time, because if you remember when when Ben went from Pitt to UCLA, like that was the most done thing ever. Like it was mm – -hmm. It was done weeks before it was actually announced. And the connection there was Sonny Vaccaro, who lived in California, worked, I believe, worked with Adidas at the time. And Sonny, I think even before Lavin was gone, was telling people Ben Hallen's going to be the next coach at, at, at yeah. UCLA. Like it was done like that. So I think you're right. That's a good memory. Yeah, I, I, think, I remember that being in Pittsburgh, too. Right, like right. it being like basically a done deal. Right. Um, but no, I, I think that Hallen's a pretty terrific hire at Mississippi State just because. What is that program have going for it right now? There's nothing going for it. I mean, like you said, all of the, these kids were in the drug program before Rick Ray got there. At least they're at least they're not in that dire of straits now. But Rick Ray wasn't exactly doing a great job of turning around the product on the court. I think he definitely got a raw deal, and I felt really bad for him whenever uh, the whole deal went down on Saturday. Like it, it feel it felt very slimy to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm in the same boat as Matt. But uh, at the same time, if you already have this done, if you already have this done as the AD, then I, I don't see why you don't go in this direction. I think that Howland, at the very worst, like you guys have alluded to, is going to go to NCAA tournaments. Like he's a guy that will be successful at basically any university that you plop him down at, at least as far as making NCAA tournament appearances and, you know, just getting 
getting the program turned around the right direction. So I think it's definitely a great hire. I think that it's clear the SEC is prioritizing basketball at this sure. point too. So uh, you can get more into that, obviously, given that you've written about it back in January and that uh, you just reported something regarding Greg Marshall that's fascinating to me too. <laughs> you want to? I mean, you want to so, get into that, GP? I mean, yeah. Well, we will. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think yeah. Howland's great. So yeah, right. and it is like I wrote that story back in January about how Mike Slive had um, basically told his member institutions, if you've got the right guy in place, great. But if not, get the right guy in place. Men's basketball is important. Anything we can do on our end at the league office, we'll do. But men's basketball is going to be important. And, and this was mattered to Mike, um, I'm told, for a couple of different reasons. A, because men's basketball is important. It's the second most high-profile sport in college athletics, and for you to consistently suck at it is not a good look. But B, um, the SEC network re- relies heavily on – men's basketball for inventory like that like you know football's the sport in the sec but there's only so many football games you can put on the sec network men's basketball games are on it you know however many nights a week from november through march and so when you are launching a network and the the best inventory you're going to be able to consistently put on that network is men's basketball games you want men's basketball to be quality and so um i i think what you're seeing here is a reaction to that, you know, hey, we've all got a lot of money. We're all going to be making more money. Go do what you have to do to get good at this sport. And I think that's at least a motivating factor in Mississippi State pulling the plug on Rick Ray to go get Ben Hallen. And I think it's a motivating factor in what I reported earlier today, which is that Alabama um, has fired Anthony Grant. Everybody knows that. And they will wait until Greg Marshall's season is over at Wichita State. And then Which is pers- what UCLA did not do two years ago. It's exactly right. And, and by the way, if UCLA would have waited, I think Greg Marshall would be the coach at UCLA. And hey, right listen, now. UCLA is in two straight Sweet 16 since then. I mean, you know, not yeah. saying they made the wrong with, move with Alfred, but this is, you know, two times in three years where Greg Marshall is, is very much in a position. Um, that <laughs> his team gets to a second weekend, and uh, his future will be obviously a major storyline. Right. So Alabama's. Uh, pitch will basically be this. They're going to start above $3 million a year and they will go as high as they need to go. Like money doesn't matter. Does it take four? Does it take five? Does it take, they don't care the money. It's like monopoly money to them. It does not matter. Um, They cannot promise or, or, or pitch rather um, a great basketball tradition, but what they can pitch is an athletic department with a culture of winning. Nick Saban, I'm told will be a part of the recruiting pitch. Um, Nick Saban is on board with the idea of pursuing Greg Marshall and is willing to do whatever he has to do to make it happen. And so then it just comes down to, you know, does Greg Marshall want to say no to the University of Alabama? But um, in terms of uh, money, resources, facility upgrades, private planes, recruiting budgets, all the stuff that coaches say they need to be successful, that will be on the table for Greg Marshall from Alabama. I was told um, that the athletic director there, Bill Battle, has a list of one. And they will they will make Greg Marshall tell them no, and if he does, then that's fine. Like they'll respect it, but they're gonna make him say no when this season's over. And and then you know if he says no, then they'll move on to wherever they got to move on to. Uh, but he is the priority and and the only candidate at this point. And so the, the obvious question becomes like, would Greg Marshall consider this? 
On the surface, well, first off, yes, because when people are putting piles of money in front of you like that, you're going to consider it. I mean, anybody would. On the surface, it's not the type of job that I know he has thought about coaching at next. On the other hand, it is the University of Alabama, and there is no obvious reason why you can't be great at men's basketball at the University of Alabama. Just because you haven't been great, there's no reason you can't be. You, you can, it, particularly if they're going to give you unlimited resources, like if they're going to do facility upgrades, recruiting budgets all the way to the top, everything you could possibly need, pay you like your Billy Donovan and John Calipari. And, and, you know, the only thing then, the only question becomes, okay, well, can you get players? Well, there's players all throughout the state of Alabama. And so uh, on the surface, I, I, I would say probably not. But when you start looking at it through that scope, Alabama makes some sense. On the other hand, you know, Texas, I do believe, is going to open one way or another. And so Alabama's biggest competition, I know that Wichita State fans are going to hate this, um, but I believe this is probably true. I think Wichita State's biggest competition would probably be Texas. Uh, uh, I mean, I think Alabama's biggest competition would be Texas, not Wichita State. I, I, think it, I, I think Alabama could beat Wichita State maybe for Greg Marshall. I don't know that Alabama could beat Texas for Greg Marshall. So there's a lot of moving pieces here. What do you think about all this, Norlander? Yeah, I mean, this is intriguing. Um, you know, Greg loves it there. I mean, he is – basically, Wichita State has afforded him, uh, you know, <laughs> the ability to do what he wants to do beyond any sort of scope he could have imagined when he first took the job. Sure. Um, and that's that's just in terms – I mean, everything – that they could possibly do to make that uh, job enticing for him to stay. He is just beyond adored in that city with good reason. Um, and if I'm Greg Marshall, I mean, the money is like if, if Alabama gives you $4 million, like. Uh, and I, I just want to be clear here. I'm not exaggerating. Like, I know. Like if, if, they, if, if Greg Marshall says, I'll do it for a seven-year, $28 million contract, they will sign that contract. I mean, that is – I mean, how do you say no to that money? Uh, because Wichita State cannot compete with that money. Um, well, in theory, they could because the Koch brothers I, like, that's, are, are that there. That is true. I but take it but uh, people throw around the Koch brothers uh, a lot. Um, they are like some of the w- wealthiest men in the, in, the, in the country. Like we're talking b- 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 billionaires. Right. But uh, I, I have been told this because I've asked a lot of questions about them and you know their name's on the – you know, Charles Coates' names on the building. Right. Um, they don't care about basketball, is what I'm told. So, in theory, they could pay Greg Marshall $20 million a year, and it wouldn't really matter to them at all. But I, I'm told that they don't care in that way about basketball at Wichita State. They care enough to put their name on the building, but they it, it doesn't matter to them the way, say, stuff matters at Oklahoma State to, to Boone Pickens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, for mm-hmm. sure. And you had, I mean, listen, you had a story up. You can you can read it, everyone listening, uh, on Marshall and and what he's done there, what his future uh, could bring, and what could get him to leave. It is fascinating. Um, half of me says don't leave Wichita State for Alabama. The other half of me says, you know what? If you get paid a lot of money and you could potentially, uh, the, if you could potentially get Alabama 
on a level of reputation that you've done with Wichita State. And, you know, if you're Greg Marshall, you've got an ego that thinks that you can do that. Uh, then we're talking like serious coaching reputation all time. If you were to ever do that, you know, if you got Alabama to a Final Four, that kind of stuff. So there's a challenge therein. Um, with Texas, it's much less of a debate in my mind just because, I mean, from a basketball coaching perspective, Texas is a top five job in the country. Um, it just because you have all of the benefits without a lot of the pressure, uh, you get everything there, facilities, talent, you can get top assistance, you're going to get paid so well. Um, so Marshall's going to have just an interesting next three weeks, basically. I, I cannot say with any sort of confidence which way it will go. Uh, but if Texas does enter the equation, and I am, I am inclined to believe that it will, um, then then we really get rolling here. Uh, the carousel will get going because I just don't think if, if Texas offers Marshall, I, I don't see how he says no to that. I, um, I wonder if my story about what Alabama is preparing to do will motivate Texas to move by the end of this week, you know, one way or another. Yeah, um, it's possible. I think it is possible. I, I I don't know. I don't want to put a timetable on it. I, I just think that from having you know countless conversations over the past week, um, I would be surprised if the Texas job doesn't open, and we already know Alabama's open, and so then the question in terms of the big 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 ones uh, is Indiana, which I, I think is still uncertain. But if I were guessing, and it, it would only be guessing, uh, educated guessing, but guessing, I would say Indiana. Uh, Cream gets another year, Texas opens, and then Alabama and Texas um, both make a serious run at Greg Marshall. And if th- those two jobs are on the table, I would bet that he would take Texas over Alabama. And if those two jobs are on the table and they seriously go after him the way they are, I think it would be very, very difficult for Wichita State to hold on to him. As much as he loves the city, and as much as his family is happy there, right. I just I just think it'd be very it's it's going to be it's starting to look to me unless like they win a national championship, he just says you know what I want a statue in Wichita unless you know who knows, but mm-hmm. let's say they bow out in the Elite Eight or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm becoming less sure that Greg Marshall would be at Wichita State another year. Um, it's just it, it, too many things are lining up, and too many big powerful places are 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 getting ready to make serious runs at him. And I, I just don't know. Uh, I mean, we'll see. But it's it, Wichita State is up against it in this offseason, I presume, in a way that they never seriously were um, last year. We'll see. It'll be fascinating. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again on Wednesday and again on Friday. Let's turn to the Sweet 16 uh, real quick. The matchups are all set. It's Kentucky, West Virginia, Notre Dame against Wichita State, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Xavier, Arizona, UCLA, Gonzaga, Duke, Utah, Oklahoma, Michigan State, NC State, Louisville. Sam, biggest surprise that's actually in the Sweet 16. Oh, wow. (laughs) Biggest surprise. I mean, it's probably UCLA, to be honest. Like, even though they played UAB to get to the Sweet 16, given where they were, like, what, two months ago, whenever they had lost, what, five or six in a row, um, they lost that game to, you know, Alabama, with who we're talking about right now they lost to Colorado lost games to Oregon State like this team did not look like a sweet 16 team and then they figured out how to use the post a little bit more often Tony Parker's become a huge huge part of their team um Bryce Alford got hot 
basically. Um, I don't know how long that'll last, but as long as he's hot, they can beat anybody. And then you have the two NBA guys in Kevon Looney and Norman Powell. But if you would have made me guess, like in January, I would have never said that UCLA would have made the NCAA tournament. And now they're sitting in the Sweet 16 for the second straight year under Steve Alford, which is really impressive for him to have turned this team around and have gotten them to two straight Sweet 16s. That's about as good of a start as I think the Bruins could have hoped for after firing Ben Howland. Norlander, who surprised you the most? Well, it's um, a good question. I mean, NC State is my is my answer. I, I that's think that's the be, right answer. Because, all right, listen, it's just such an up, up and down team. Um, really has no business being in the second weekend because LSU should have beat them. I mean, LSU was up double digits in the second half. <laughs> And just absolutely gacked it away. And I know we, we, we got on that a little bit on the Friday podcast. Um, oh, Johnny Jones. Uh, Johnny Jones, man. Seriously, <laughs> hashtag blame LSU for this. Um, they played so well against Villanova, but I, I'm i not backing down on Villanova. That was, a, that was a worthy one seed. It was a really good team. And it just got up against it. And it, I equate the way, like when I watched NC State play, uh, it very much looked in terms of energy, action, body language, crashing the boards, very much like how Michigan State beat Virginia. Uh, both of those teams, to watch them play in those games, it was impressive because they were ready from the opening tip. Like, they were just rare to go. It was uh, it was really impressive. And then combine that with Villanova just missing bunnies left and right, not getting good mm-hmm. shots. And they still, you know, barely beat Villanova, which is a little bit of a testament to uh, how good the Wildcats are, or were, I should say. Um, State's the most surprising team, and, and now... I mean, they get a game like Louisville to a certain extent is surprising. I got to admit, I'm bummed Northern Iowa didn't get to the second weekend. Uh, that was a really good team, and and they, you know, a lot of it was Louisville in the way that they uh, handled you and I, and, and Rozier was was terrific. Um, but now, like, I I like NC State's matchup with Louisville, so we could have Mark Gottfried in the Elite Eight, um, which is just nuts to me. And by the way, uh, Wichita State at tip was a one point favorite over Kansas, so that was not an upset. Uh, in, in the truest form, which is just wild. Because Kansas opened minus two, Wichita State was minus one. They, I would say, you know, if Michigan State looked really good and NC State looked really good, uh, the other lower-seeded team, to me, whose uh, performance, body language, confidence, all of that, I would say Wichita State was third because they started a little skittish against Kansas, and then about halfway through the first half, they really picked it up, and then they went on a like a 26-5 to run or something like that between the first half and second half. I mean, they looked so, so good. Um, really impressive. And it sets up for a Cleveland uh, regional that I'll be at that's, that's really interesting. I did, mean, I you got you, West- did I tell you guys about um, the w- sort of wild conspiracy I heard about, about Wichita State becoming a seven seed? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, it's not even a story anymore. So and I'm not sure it was a story anyway, but it's interesting. So everybody was talking about man, how did Wichita State end up on the seven line, right? That was a pretty, like, and I, I know you yeah. can rationalize it, but if you go look at that bracket matrix, almost nobody had him as a seven seed. I know Jerry Palm did because he hates them, but almost nobody hates else. Him. Palm hates, he hates Greg Marshall. Hates no, Greg I'm Marshall. just kidding, but yeah, Hates go on. him, hates him, hates him. And so, um, but but very few people had him as a seven. Almost everybody had him as a five or a six. So here's the, here's the, uh, here's the conspiracy. You tell me if you think there's anything to this. People think that the NCAA, to the extent people think there was something fishy going on there, they think it was the NCAA trying to manipulate the bracket to get Kansas and Wichita State against each other to fill up that arena. But the truth is, 
uh, the NCAA doesn't don't they don't need those arenas filled up. They have billion dollar television contracts anyway. It really doesn't matter one way or the other whether those arenas are, are filled up. I mean, I know it's better than than the alternative, but it, it doesn't matter to the bottom line. Tell me if you think this makes any sense. I had a couple people bounce this off of me. So, you know, it's well documented that the NCAA had had charter plane problems, right? Like, um, there, there's only they were running low. This I have noticed a little bit. Keep going. Okay, they were running low on charters. That's that that's something they acknowledged, like back in February, that they the, the companies had closed down and uh, FAA restrictions had done something else, and so it was just um, they were running low on on um, on planes, and so. The way the NCAAs, to the extent that these are rules, that might be the wrong term, but let's just call them rules. The rules are if you are within 350 miles of your site, they don't have to get you a plane. They get you a bus. But if it's 351 miles or more, they have to get you a plane. So once you make uh, Kansas the two seed in Omaha, which was always going to be the case, the only slot open for Wichita State, the highest, the best slot they could possibly get within 350 miles of their campus is Omaha. So they dropped Wichita down to a seven so that they could bus them to Omaha rather than have to get them a charter. Um, yeah, so I, I actually think there is something a little to this. I, I, when I looked at the bracket, uh, I think that is possible. That might be, I don't think it was direct. I think it might have accidentally fallen into their laps and they didn't necessarily fight it when it happened because. If you look, I mean, you also had like Lafayette, a Pennsylvania school, got sent to Pittsburgh. You had Dayton going to Columbus. Um, I'm blanking on some others. There were a few of these, though, where I thought, you know what? They might have done this because there was a charter shortage, and that's a huge story if you've got a team stranded uh, or, or severely delayed, and it's just a, a, you know, a, a big-time negative headline that you don't want to have to deal with. So in this year of... of charter plane shortages. I think Wichita State played into it, uh, and I think that there were others as well who normally um, might not have had to worry about you know, getting shipped from one place to another because they've had planes in the past. But even the lower seeds were geographically, in my opinion, there was an awareness there, so they kind of they dodged any sort of huge travel headaches. I think and Georgia, by the way, Georgia State's another one. Georgia State only had to go to Jacksonville. They were 14, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but like, is that 350 miles? I really don't know. But, um, but the 350-mile thing, Wichita... It's 300 miles from Omaha. So the NCAA said, hey, um, you, now you, you – first off, we, uh, this is from the Wichita perspective at least. I'll, 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 they think the NCAA screwed them with a seven seed. They don't care now because they got to be Kansas, so they're happy. But they thought they got screwed on a seven, that they didn't deserve a seven, and then they got um, – and, and the reason was because the NCAA didn't want them – didn't want to have to get them a plane. And that um, – and so you know what Wichita State did? They flew on their own, or what? bought their own plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to just yeah. Fl- to basically flip a middle finger at the NCAA. They said we're not, you know, we're not putting our kids on a bus for five hours because that's what it would have been five hour right. bus ride. They said we're not doing that, so we will we'll we'll pay for our own plane. F you, and uh, and then they went and, and beat the hell out of Kansas. So um, anyway, that was just intriguing. No, yeah, I, no, that, that, that's, that's it's just a little interesting story. Okay, so in 2010, Bob Hopkins devised a plan that knocked out John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, and about $300 million worth of future NBA contracts. Vecini, can he do it again? Um, no, but I think it's going to be interesting to see Kentucky go up against this press. It's not something – they haven't seen a press this physical. Like Arkansas's press is way different than this uh, West Virginia press. Um, 
And for what it's worth on Synergy, Kentucky's press offense is in the 44th percentile. So it's a little bit below average compared to the rest of the country. And it's on like limited possessions. It's on like 115 possessions. But I think it's going to be an interesting wrinkle, at least, to see them have to go up against press. Um, I sincerely doubt that it matters in any way. But I'm at least interested in this matchup in a way that I wouldn't have been interested in it if it was Maryland-Kentucky. I agree. I do, absolutely agree. Orlando, actually, do you do you just? I mean, what does Cal do? Just put Ulysses and Andrew on the court together? That, that, yeah, that's what I. That's what I would. That's do. what you do. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I, I kind of uh, alluded to. I have a power ranking one to sixteen up on the site, and I, I kind of you know they're brief re- things, but I, I mentioned that you know they're going to be challenged. Uh, Want to see how Andrew and Ulysses react? But yeah, Ulysses, in my opinion, get Ulysses on the floor as much as possible in this game because uh, I think he can handle it really, really well. Uh, West Virginia is also. A tremendous on the offensive glass in a way I have not researched this, but I would think that they are the best offensive rebounding team Kentucky has faced all season. Um, so at least there are actual things that West Virginia brings to the table that give them advantages or at least challenges to Kentucky that I agree with Sam with Maryland. Um, I wouldn't, it's like Maryland. I actually think is a better team a little bit, but West Virginia is a better matchup. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued to watch it. Uh, and oh my gosh, that, that scene is going to be insane because West Virginia fans are ridiculous and travel well. We know about Kentucky, Wichita state travels tremendously well and Notre Dame sidewalk alumni. And that's just right over the border. So uh, the, the scene in Cleveland will be, uh, tremendous and interesting. And I'm wondering what the fan, uh, quotient will be like in that building. Cause Kentucky obviously is known for taking over, but I don't know if they're going to be able to. Although never doubt, uh, never doubt yeah. the team. Who, Sam knows, gets, who knows if they'll be able to? But I assure you, they will try really hard. Sam gets LA, by the way. If we wanted to hit on that before we wrap up, he'll be. I mean, those are. By the way, Arizona. Come on, man. They look. They look awesome. I got. Them you realize the, they're the favorite to come out of the West now, and like in, in my Vegas, opinion, they should be. They have looked so good. Yeah, like I said, whenever the bracket was released, they're the de facto one in the yeah. West because they get to play at Staples Center compared to Wisconsin having to travel all the way from Wisconsin. So that place is going to be basically McHale Northwest. Like it's going to be filled with Arizona people. So I, I totally believe I totally agree with everyone that says Arizona's the favorite here. Yeah, if you were looking at Las Vegas now, Kentucky obviously the favorite in the Midwest, Duke still the favorite in the South, but in the East it's Michigan State. The seven seed is actually the favorite to come out of there, according to Las Vegas. And um, in the West, it's it's Arizona is actually favored as the two seed uh, over Wisconsin. Sam, if you had to redo your final four right now, who would you have? Um, I would go Arizona, Kentucky. I'll stick with Gonzaga, even though I think that Duke's probably Gonzaga's looked really good, but Duke's also look great against a really, really good defense in San Diego State. They just tore them apart totally. Um, and then in the East, I think I'm going Oklahoma. Um, Michigan State's been really good. Uh, I, I don't buy either of the two teams on the top of that bracket, but I think that Oklahoma's been really good all season. They're a top five defense in the country despite playing fast. And I think that they're going to figure out a way to slow down Michigan State and slow down uh, Travis Trice, but I don't know. Norlander, you're final uh, four now. Yeah, so I, I stick with Kentucky, uh, and I've, I had you know I have Kentucky over Notre Dame in my bracket, um, and I have Wichita State versus Notre Dame, so I'll, I'll stick that with that. I have North Carolina over Wisconsin, and so I have Arizona in the final four. I'll stick with that. 
I have Duke over Gonzaga, um, so I'll stick with that. And I will go with Michigan State. Um, that's tough, though. Uh, I, I don't want to keep underrating Oklahoma. They're really good on defense. Um, I would, but I would say Michigan State would be my pick. Michigan State, then Oklahoma, then NC State, and then Louisville. I, I just this Louisville. Patino did this a few years back, where yeah. he had a team that was just all awful defense. offensively, awful. They were outside and, the top one hundred, and they made it to the Final Four. Yeah, no, the idea that Rick Patino can reasonably get to a Final Four at this point, like there's nothing crazy about it at this point, is pretty uh, remarkable. I, I would like to um, a Patino Izzo. With with total mess <laughs> rosters, <laughs> playing yeah. for a for a final birth, uh, final four birth would be terrific. If I had to do my final four right now, Kentucky I'll keep, uh, Arizona I'll keep, uh, Duke I'll keep, and I think I'd switch at this point to Michigan State. But I'm with you. Whoever wins the Michigan State Oklahoma game, Orlando, I think that's the one um, that that comes out of the East region. All right. Well, listen, we've all got a million things to do, so let's go do them. And uh, plan to talk again on Wednesday. Remember, if you haven't subscribed to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, you can do that over on iTunes, and you should, because uh, that's the way to get the quickest, uh, the uh, newest episode uh, as quickly as possible. So go do that, and uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. Take care, Mike.